Welcome to this episode of Write Stuff, presented and produced by me, Chris Fitzgerald. This is another episode I recorded at the brilliant Write by the Sea Writing Festival in Kilmore Quay. Thanks a million again to all of those there for being so accommodating. In this episode, I speak to not a writer this time, as in previous episodes, but a literary agent, Joe Unwin of the really prestigious Joe Unwin Literary Agency in London, who happens to represent Kit Deval, who I spoke to in the last episode. We speak here about how Joe went from acting to working in a bookshop to eventually setting up her own agency, and we talk about the importance of agents to writers, what she looks for in a writer, and what influence technology is having on the literary world today. Thanks a million again to Joe for taking part in this interview. Uh, I think it really sheds a light on a large part of the writing industry. So thanks again for listening, and remember to share and review and rate, and also you can follow me at Write Stuff Chris on Twitter. Joe Unwin, literary agent, thanks a million for talking to me. We're here at Kilmorkey and you're doing a talk later. Um, this is Sunday morning of the festival. How has it been going for you so far? This must be like one of the highlights of your job. It's really great. It's, it's great for several reasons. I mean, just socially, to meet lots of really interesting, involved people. And also to have extra time with one of my authors, Kit Duvall was here, and I tend to have meetings with her, and they're always a bit rushed, but to spend a weekend going to things together, talking about them, and hanging out, has re- it really enriches that relationship. Mm. So it's been lovely. Great. Just to start off, I'd like to ask you about how you got into being, how you set up the agency, and you were an actress. I was. And I know you're kind of self-deprecating about that, but you were in pretty big shows. Can we just be absolutely clear that I was a very, very, very bad actress? I, That's subjective. I was good enough to get a few jobs, but not good enough to do any jobs that really counted for anything or that meant anything or that I was proud to be involved in. Involved with or involved in? With... I should be, you know, as a literary agent, I should know how to speak English. Um, But anyway, um, and uh, yeah, so I got to the stage when I uh, was acting a little tiny bit, a lot of doing a lot of voiceovers, not really wanting to leave home because I had small children and just feeling quite blue. And I suddenly had this blinding flash when I thought... I'm doing these bits of acting mainly for television and I don't really watch television and I don't really like television. And the only time I'm really excited and things are really fun and great when I'm with other people is when I'm talking about books. And I thought, damn it, why didn't I think of that when I was 20 instead of pursuing this crazy acting dream? And uh, so I thought, well, you know, I'm too old. You can't possibly... I was 44 by then. I can't possibly, you know, you have to have had a double first and you have to have started when you were 20 and you have to have all these connections and I didn't have any of that um but I thought well I'll go and work in a bookshop and then I'll be surrounded by books and that'll be some of the way to being a bit happier and I found myself loving recommending books I loved it when someone came in and said what shall I get for my 11 year old boy reluctant reader or my granny or whatever it would be And then I also loved if they came in wanting one book and they went away with three or four, I'd be very, very much... I really enjoyed the business side or the selling side. And the woman who ran the bookshop said, you know, you'd make a really great agent. And I said, what's one of them, pretty much? And um, so then I... Then I did have a bit of luck because I was... um, I met someone at a party who knew someone who worked in publishing and... I went, he said, you know, come in and meet me in my office. And I went in and he said, 
can I pimp you out? And I said, yes, you can. <laughs> and kind of the next day, I met an agent who said, well, you can come and sit in the corner of our office and go through all the slush pile, as it's called, the unsolicited manuscripts. And if you see anything you like um, and you think you can sell it, I'll show you what to do. So I was as lucky as lucky can be in that okay. respect. And then from there to setting up your own agency, how did well, that so work? The first, in the first few months, I had a lot of success. I was going to say luck, but I'm going to say success because yeah, I'm going to own it. Yeah. Um, I found a book that was shortlisted for the Booker Prize and I found a book that was sold into 37 languages and made the author a millionaire very quickly. And things, things, it looked very quickly as though I knew what I was doing, even though I kind of did and kind of didn't. But, you know, 10 years on, um, I do know what I'm doing. And, and a few years ago now, three, uh, well... Two years ago, I went fully independent, so I totally am totally my own agency. And it's going from strength to strength, I have to say. Great. So you asked that question, what is one of them, about a literary agent, you said. Mm. Can you tell us, what is one of them? What does a literary agent do? Because I know there are a lot of writers listening to this, and a lot of people, they submit to publishers. Some will submit to agents. What do you think is the benefit of a writer submitting to an agent? Well, a lot of publishers now will only take things through an agency, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I don't know. Um, and we do lots of things. One of the first things we do is a lot of editorial work. So when someone's written a book, they shouldn't send it into an agency until it's as good as they possibly think it can be. But at that point, the agent will almost always have, an, have a bit more to say you know, what happened to that character that you set up so beautifully in chapter three? Where does he go? You'd never see him again until right at the end of the book. Can you not see a bit more of him? What, um, I didn't quite understand it. There's a soggy middle. Um, there's a, you know, it changes genre and you've got to be clear about whether it's, you know, how, what you want the reader's journey to be. So we do a lot of editorial work and typically uh, it'll be, from the time of me taking on an agent, uh, taking on a client to sending them out to publishers, often it'll be six months and two or three drafts of toing and froing to get it as good as it can possibly be. And during that time, I'll also get to know the client so that when I'm talking about them to the publisher, I'm talking about them as someone who actually knows the person rather than yeah. just just from the manuscript. Because publishers are looking to take on someone not just for a book but mm. for a career. Mm. Um, but so we do we do a bit of editorial. We do, obviously, their contracts. And the contracts, I when I first started, I imagined it would be um, find an author, sell their book, next author, next book. But of course, what it actually is, is you find an author, sell their book in the UK, then set about trying to sell it in America, then set about trying to sell it for audio rights, then look for the film possibilities, then sell it into French and German and Italian... You know, so one book has got lots and lots of avenues and it's mm. important to me that my authors know that I'm really trying to get as many, exploit as many different um, aspects of the rights to the book as I can. Yeah. And so the, from a submission then, so a submission comes into you mostly online these days, I presume. Yes. And you presume there are masses of submissions and you can only choose like a very small percentage of those, I presume. Um what is it that you're looking for? I think that's what you're talking about today here. Like, what yeah. is it? I mean, 
And, and how much do you have to read before you decide if something is worth pursuing or not? I'm going to be completely honest with you, and there are certain times when I see someone's letter and I think, this person can't write a letter, and I don't have the confidence that they can write a book. And there are, ty- there are people like that that I will ditch. I just don't even read it, because I think, really, if you can't write a letter, there's no way you can write a book. Um, I... Um, hmm... It's very hard because you know what it's like, Chris, when you're in a bookshop and you're browsing and you think, mm, I like the look of this one, yeah, maybe, or that one, yeah, not so much. Oh, now this one I really yeah. like. You know not to perhaps go to an area of the bookshop where you've got no interest. So I won't be looking. I'm really not interested in sci-fi. I find it very, very difficult to get my head around. It's just I haven't got the right kind of brain for it, I think. Um, and I'm not particularly interested in sort of swords and sandals sagas. I don't tend to like, um, uh, you know, the 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 great scepter of Grisingham and the launch of the fathers of the great ring of the mountains of Erith Grism. You know, that kind of thing <laughs> doesn't always work for me. Um, but... Um, so I know I know what I sort of don't like. Mm. Um, I also don't like violence against women, so I won't go for you know. I I will read crime absolutely, but it will need to be. I'll need to know that it's not going to be a load of prostitutes chopped up on slabs, um, because I'm not interested in that. I'm very keen to be promoting books that I believe. Well, it's, I'm not just keen. It is my duty and job to make sure that the books I promote are books that I want people to read and that is not just I want them to read because I want to make money for my author and thereby for myself but also because I believe in what they're saying and what they have to say so that's really important to me Um, and beyond that it's a little bit of just following your nose yeah so intuition yeah but there has to be a lot of risk taking involved in that then as well because the industry might not be ready for what you see as great or the, the audience might not be there for that. I mean, do you find that, that sometimes what you, your intuition is guiding you in a certain way that, for whatever reason, the public might not be ready for? Um, I've got a couple of books that I would say that is exactly the case for. Luckily, I mean, I've found publishers for them in as much as... And, and often at big, um, you know, auctions, so several publishers wanted to get involved. Um, but they haven't, for one reason or another, really taken what's that phrase, taken light, taken, you know, mm. taken. They haven't taken really enough. taken, yeah. mm. uh, so they certainly haven't taken like wildfire. So timing then is very important. Yeah. And so you have to be thinking about what's happening socially and what's happening in society at the moment and choose, choosing work that will relate to that somehow. Somehow, or, though yeah. it's not conscious, I have yeah, to say. Yeah. It's really not. It's, um, you know, I, I chose, there was a book <clears throat> that I sold uh, 18 months ago or maybe two years ago now, um, which uh, called Dear Mrs. Bird by A.J. Pierce. Now, that was a book that was about the Blitz in London, and it was about two young women who were very, very brave and very funny. And I thought, when I... It absolutely spoke to me. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it, and was happy to work on it and get it ready. But when I wrote my submission letter to publishers... I said, I found myself writing, this is the book we need in these dark 
troubled times, we need something that says, keep on, you know, keep, not keep calm and carry on, but carry on and be bold and, you know, keep your friends close and take life, you know, do everything you can with your life. Mm. Um, and it felt very timely, and indeed it has gone on to be a big success, that right. book. So then you're obviously a key component of how you choose an author is their work, but do you consider the actual author then as well and their background and their story coming up to that point, sorry? Um, I know you you have some writers that you represent, like the likes of Charlie Brooker, Richard mm. Dioadi, who would have had, would, would have been in the public before that, but you could be choosing somebody completely obscure that the public doesn't know yet and if you're putting them out there for events like this and going on tours do you have to consider the type of person that the writer is as well um i feel in a very privileged position because it's my own company because i set it up you know when i was a bit older i wasn't a kid um i really feel i don't need to be can i swear yeah of course I don't need to be surrounded by arseholes. I really don't. Life is too short and I'm lucky to be able to choose. And so I do. I choose people I want to spend time with who I find fascinating for whatever reason. It's not what some people think of, um, oh, you surround yourself by people like you. I think some people think it's all a very, it's very clubby and it really isn't that at all. I just want to be surrounded by good people who I find fascinating and who are different to me, but who I can in some way connect with. And I certainly don't want to be with people who think they are entitled and think that the world owes them a living and that they um, shouldn't have to work as hard as they do to get the crumbs that people are prepared to chuck for them. Because I just don't think, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think that works. Okay, great. And it's working for you then? You, you've surrounded yourself by people who you like working with? I love my clients. Yeah, I really, really do. That's a major bonus. I mean, so going from being working in a bookshop to now running your own agency, surrounded by satisfying work, people who enrich your life, are you kind of living the dream now? It sounds quite good, doesn't That's it? That's amazing. <laughs> like, another thing I want to ask you, Joe, and maybe this might be the last thing, but... Um, changes that are happening in the industry now based upon technology. And I, I was just looking at the magazines that were here, like, and some of these are literary magazines or writers' magazines. Like, the headlines are App Happy, why one writer self-published a mobile app instead of a book. Get into e-books, don't miss out on the digital revolution. How much is technology kind of changing the industry and how much are you considering technology now when you're putting work out there? I have to consider... Well, I've got about two or three different answers to that. Mm. I have to consider... Um, my author's income that's my job um and so at the point of looking at the contract i'm very determined to make sure that they get the best possible deals that being said a lot of what i work on is storytelling or stories and i think they can they can be they can come to you however you want if you want to read them on a kindle hurrah if you want to listen to them you know while you're riding your bike on audio that's great too i don't have an don't have any issue with it you know as long as people are being paid properly i mean what i do have an issue with is people trying to um pirate material and you know flog people's work you know access people's work for nothing Mm. because authors work incredibly hard and are not brilliantly paid um and it's just not right or fair for them to 
be having their work pirated. But if they're being paid properly, then I don't mind, and I don't think many authors mind, what platform someone's reading it on. Um, when I first started, people said, "Ah, oh, there's, you know, it's impossible to publish a short story. Nobody wants short stories." And then three or four years later, everybody was like, "Oh, but you can sell them for 99p on Kindle. You can, you know, and you can just read a quick short story on a commute." Suddenly, it became incredibly fashionable. So things are changing all the mm. time, and we have to keep up to speed. Um, I've got a bit of an issue with self-publishing because I think, I, I, because of what I said right at the beginning about how many different aspects of someone's work you can exploit and I think self-publishing people just put their story up on Amazon and then they don't you know it's hard for them to get film deals it's hard for them Mm. to get audio deals it's hard for them to get um, uh, translation deals and I think they need someone fighting their corner but then I would say that, wouldn't I? (laughs) (laughs) You would. Thanks a million Joel. I know you're going to enjoy the rest of the festival. Thank you very much for having me. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.